welcome back to the user flows podcast everyone my name is thomas morell and this is the show where we talk about ux design and careers i interview designers and creators about their journey into the field and break down how they've been successful in their role so we can all learn together today i'm joined by jared treadley now jared is not a designer but he does build <laughs> world-class design teams so and that's why i have him on today so jared works with incredible companies to attract source and retain the best designers jared welcome to the show really excited to have you here Thank you. Thank you. Especially being a, uh, a non-designer myself. <laughs> oh, that's, that's quite all right. We, we take all kinds. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no. But you are definitely involved in the design community, which, and I love the content that you're producing on LinkedIn, Thank you. Um, which is mostly focused around you know, design and design recruitment, which I love. So if you could, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, design recruiter, that really is the core of it. That's, that's what I do. Um, and yeah, not, not being a designer is interesting, but you're right in that I really just purely focus on recruiting designers and, and building design teams. So I've made a really conscious decision to go really all in on that, um, which, you know, allow, allows me to get really deep in, in that space. So, yeah, just working with designers and, and working like right up through the levels of all designers from you know, graduates, fresh, right through to chief design officers I'm working with as well and, and people at the highest level of, of their design career too. So you just see so many things throughout all those layers and levels um, and sometimes like big differences and sometimes seeing the same challenges that people have within their career and, and changing roles and hiring frustration, you know, whatever it might be to sometimes there's a nice little moment in there where it's the, the challenge that a fresh graduate is having with finding their first role could be the same challenge that a VP of design is having with getting their next role. So, you know, it's all, I think that, that in a way brings, brings all designers, that whole community always back together in, in that particular aspect. Um, and I get that unique vantage point of that. I get to sort of see it across all those, all those layers because it's my part of my job to speak to all those people too. So I get this nice little bird's eye view at times. <laughs> Oh, that's really cool. And I imagine at some point you almost end up being like a career coach in some ways. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that really is a, a big part of it for me. I've, I've been so fortunate with, you know, speaking to so many great designers. I've learned a lot about design um, and a lot about, I guess, essentially designing your career and design, you know, what makes a great designer. So I've learned a lot about that. But Really, like for recruiters, I, I honestly sort of believe in, in any area, first and foremost, our job is to be good recruiters. Like that's our role first. And that is careers, coaching on careers, helping in that regard. And now I, I sort of take the recruitment aspects and then I go deep on, on design. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, lot of coaching there. And um, be, you are there at some really interesting moments for people, I will say on that front it's not all just um you know dot, dotting i's and crossing t's and not all just ones and z's you know at times I, I i am there with people when they get their dream role when the offer mm -hmm. gets made and the offer is amazing and they love it and and it's like yes this is so great i put myself out there i i, I went through that interview pro you know i did what i needed to do and they received you know that was understood and now they want to offer me the job like i'm so excited and that can happen at every level, first job through to, you know, your, your leadership role. But I'm also there when, when people get let go sometimes or, you know, hey, I've just been let go from my role. 
you know, maybe the maybe the startup has run into some woes or, you know, whatever it might have been. And I could be the first phone call. Hey, uh, I've just, you know, I've just received this news. Like now what? And it's and so then going through that, like, you know, letting them know at times like, hey, you know, it's not great. Like, what can we do? But also saying, hey, just so you know, for the market, this is a good time in this or, or I know you're going to be OK. I'm here to help you. Or here's some things we can do right now, because that can be a crazy time for someone as well. Like, well, I just lost my job. Now what? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. Oh, that, that brings up a really interesting point. Um, and I had a whole other kind of lineup of questions, right? That, <laughs> that brings I up a good ruined one. Ruined it already. <laughs> yeah, Classic no. Career. No, just because I happen to know a lot of people who are about to be out of work. Their, their department was sold from an ex-employer of mine. So now they're going to be on the job hunt. What's, uh, what's the best thing somebody can do to set themselves up to you know, quickly make a transition to a new role? Yeah, definitely, definitely a few things. I think one of the biggest things is sort of just taking a moment for yourself. I honestly do believe like there is, there is whiplash that can come with it especially if you didn't see it coming. Maybe in this case, there was a lot of talk and a lot of, you know, there was things leading up to, to knowing that maybe this was coming. Um, but ultimately, like, just, just take stock for a second. Uh, you know, catch your breath, um, get centred a little, you know, recover just from that whiplash, take, take a day or two. It's okay. Um, I think, you know, especially in this market right now, like very specifically right now, it's really busy time for hiring, designers in particular it's the best time to be let go because things are so busy. So you do have a lot of opportunity. And with that in mind, I try to encourage people like just take a minute for yourself, you know, a day, two days, even a week, whatever it is, you're not, you're not going to do yourself a disservice to get your next job by just recovering for a minute from maybe the shock of, of what you've been through, because ultimately you'll be in a better place as you enter your interviews to put your best foot forward and get, uh, you know, and go above. It's not just about finding a new job sometimes. Maybe you're going to find something that's even better than what you were doing before. And, and you know, the only way is forward sometimes. So, yeah, take stock, catch up, catch your breath, recover, and then get your stuff in order. As a designer, just a little update on the CV. You know, is that up to date? Um, can you update your LinkedIn a little bit? The best part about LinkedIn, for example, if you, if you choose to use it, is... Um, it's passively having people come to you as well, you know, and that if, if you've got things up to date, you know, the ti your titles are correct. You've got a bit of a description about what you do, maybe some areas of specialization that you have, data visualization, dashboards, design systems, whatever it might be. You've got those things on there. Plenty of recruiters like me out there that are searching LinkedIn all day looking for designers. And rather than you having to go out there and find yourself a new job, you're having people come to you, contact you about a job. So get those things up to date. Get your house in order a little with that. If you can update the folio, do it. It's going to be a, a big asset to you as well. Again, you, you want to reach out to a company, you want to contact someone, you know, whatever it might be, they're probably going to ask to see some work. And the more you've got a handle on having some of that together, especially recent work, because arguably a lot of your recent stuff is usually your best work um, yeah. or it could be something you're really proud of. Having that together obviously puts you in a spot to, to dive straight into the next thing. Um, so, yeah, just catch your breath and then get, get your house in order and think about some of those updates because, yeah, those two tracks, going out there and contacting people, but having people reach out to you for the right and relevant things. Turn yeah. on that beacon. 
I love that. No, that, that's great advice. Um, taking a moment to really reflect on what you want out of the next role too. I think it's fantastic. So I think it'd be really good for people to understand, you know, what the kind of day-to-day looks like for you, the process mm. kind of behind the curtain that we as designers don't see. So, you know, you get a new role from an organization and you go out and try to find people. What's that process look like of, you know, contacting a designer to see if they're interested and then, you know, initial interview. I just want to get your perspective so designers can kind of better manage that relationship in a way yeah. and make the best of it, make, make the most of it. Yeah, yep, definitely. And some, some of that, to be honest with that process, starts a little, little earlier before I'm reaching out to that designer to contact them about a particular role. There really is a lot of upfront work with that particular company about what it is that they're looking for. Um, in this market in particular, it's such an amazing time especially for myself, um, being more specialized in design and focusing on that. I can only work with so many companies at once. Mm -hmm. So within that, for me, I want to do what's exciting for me, what's um, enjoyable. So, you know, I spend spend a lot of time up front with that company, getting to the core of like, what do they need? What are the expectations? Um, Do they align with the market? If if they're paying too low and expecting too much and, and not being competitive with their hiring process, how are we ever going to get there? So it's like, let's not even start. So there is some upfront work where we do some calibration there and we really try to get great hiring process, really think about that candidate experience. What is the designer's experience with going through that process? How do we get to the other end of it? Everything like that. So that stuff happens so that when I go to market and I go to that designer and talk to them about it, it's usually with good reason. I know, I know why I'm kind of reaching out to them, what I'm reaching out to them about. Um, look, the biggest thing I think when you're contacted from a recruiter, um, you know, for any type of role, depends on what some of that outreach might be. But for me, a lot of the time, I, you know, I just want to speak to people and learn from them what are their ambitions and goals, what do they want to do. Um, I can I can glean a lot of things from a LinkedIn profile depending on how much is on there about them. Um, also from a portfolio, you know those those things broadcast and tell someone like myself about you as a designer before I've spoken to you. So I'm kind of I'm doing some guesswork. I'm kind of interpreting. I'm I'm working with what I've what I've got to see, um, and then I'm reaching out off the back of that. So. Again, as a designer that might actively be looking, for example, on LinkedIn, you've turned on your open to new work setting. You know, you've clicked mm-hmm. that on. You've, you've put the bat signal in the sky and you said, yeah. hey, like, you know, reach out to me. I'm, I'm looking. Um, that's great. I'm going to. I'm going to contact you and I say, I'd love to talk about what you're looking for and what you want to do. And that's where as a designer, that's that exercise of like, what is it that I want and want to do? So having, having a bit of an idea of that, I think, is really helpful. Um, that's one of the best initial ways to work with um, a recruiter, whether they're mm-hmm. internal, agent, whatever it might be. It's just sort of saying, look, this is where I'm at in my career. This is what I'm doing. Um, this is why I've turned on my open to new work, for example. Um, and this is what I really want to do in my next step. Because for me, at any one time, I could be working on 20 to 30 different design roles, for example, especially in this wow. market right now. But of that, uh, you know, more than half, two-thirds, 90% of them could be off the mark. They might not align with what you really want to do. So I usually have a bit of an idea based on what I can see about someone. Um, these couple of companies and roles I think might be applicable to where they seem to have experience already. But 
again, it's like, what are their goals and ambitions? And if it doesn't map back to what I'm working on, we don't have to go over it. It's okay. Um, you know, and so sometimes the conversations can be like, okay, now I know what you want to do. I'm not really working on anything that lines up with that, but now I know. And now I know who to call when that stuff comes up. So just having, having a bit of a feel for, for being able to communicate that and articulate that. I even tell some designers because I know that so many are being contacted by recruiters at the minute. Like it is so busy. You could get 20 messages a day. It could be all the same thing. Like honestly, if, if you could just have three points about what you want to do and a couple of specifics, just put them in a note and copy paste them, send it straight back. Yeah. You know? Save yourself a bit of time and then you just go, hey, thanks so much for the message. This is kind of why I'm, I'm looking and what I'm open to. Okay. If, if anything aligns with that, let's chat. You know, so yeah, there's, it's, uh, it's a tough market. I'm, I'm cautious of people's time. I think a lot of people are getting right. a lot of messages feeling like an inundation or a saturation and it could feel like they're wasting time speaking to recruiters for no result. Um, yeah. So if you can help shortcut some of that, then definitely do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that brings up a really good point because when you turn on that uh, that switch on LinkedIn, it's like a faucet. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, it's like bam. Oh so yeah, right, yeah. Right now, I have it turned off, and I just want to get your opinion on this. Is this is a good thing to do or a bad thing? Is not looking for new work, but I get contacted, and I'll just send them a quick note, like you know, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk in the future? Like I'm very happy right now, but you know, should that change? Can we talk? And then I just give them kind of bullet points of what I'm looking for. Yeah. Is, is that helpful or is that like a little arrogant in a way? Like, you know, don't contact no. me unless like it meets these criteria. No, no. Look, and it's all, you know, it's all in a bit of tone of voice. You can be nice about something. Oh, yeah, you yeah. can, you know, it's totally. So, no, you're, you're 100% right. We're all super busy. We're all, you know, working through, you know, whatever. And look, I think as long as um, some of those bullet points that you share, for example, are pretty realistic. As well, if you if you're one year into your design career and and you're not currently looking, but you shoot back that message with a couple of points, hey, you know, thanks for the message, but my next role, I really want to be a VP of design on at least you know three hundred k. It's yeah. like mm, okay, <laughs> well, yeah. good luck to you. Um, yeah. But as a recruiter, for me, what what I will do um, on my side is I will make note of that and I will. I have a database. I'm a big proponent of using my own database because I can't remember everything. But yeah. I'll take that information and I'll create a couple of notes. I could create some um, some certain points around numbers. If you've mentioned some salary, you've mentioned maybe a, a leveling of title, um, director, VP, manager, lead, senior, you know, whatever it might be. Make a note of leveling and then make a note of some of the specifics that you might have mentioned too. Ideally, team size. So, you know, you've got to have like not, not a founding designer, obviously. or mm-hmm. The inverse, definitely up for being a founding designer. Um, loves consumer-facing work, doesn't want to do internal um, software anymore, wants to work yeah. on you know, D2C type, mobile first, whatever. So I will make notes of those things. And when those roles come up, I'm the one searching the database and seeing, oh, Thomas is really into that stuff. He's the kind of guy that, that wants to know about this. I'm going yeah. to reach out to him now and just let him know a bit more about this thing, see if he's up for a chat. So okay. yeah, it, it is really valuable and it's not, it's not a waste of anyone's time, I don't think. So yeah. okay. you might as well put it out there. <laughs> Great. No, no, I like that. So, you know, kind of be as upfront as possible about what you're looking for. And then should something in that realm come up, 
you have the information, it's in your database, yeah. and that's perfect. Uh, can I ask, what kind of software do you use to kind of track all that? I mean, 30 people at a time, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's more than that. Um, I'm using HubSpot at the at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah, this I've used so many different ones over the years. Um, it's and it's all about how you use it too, and how you sort of divide it, break it down. Um, and that's where design is gone. I think there are so many areas of specialization within design now um, that majority of my conversations with companies are about like this is what we're building and what we're doing. This is the type of designer. We want to come here. Just just saying, product designer almost doesn't explain anything anymore. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, and uh, from your opinion, um, is it better to be specialized, highly specialized, or more of a generalist these days? I I honestly think there's merit in both. You know, yeah. and it's and and I think that um, being a specialist or being a generalist is not always like an active choice for you as a designer. It, you just gravitate that way sometimes. You just have a more general um, skill set or approach. You just like to know a little bit across all these things. Um, or it's like, look, there's just this one area and I'm so obsessed with it. I'm just going all in super deep. So yeah. in, in the market itself, there is a need for both of those things. They exist in different, different teams in different areas. Um, startups in particular lean a little more on that, on that generalist, that T-shape kind of skill you get to mm -hmm. a bigger team the pods and the groups are forming out each cross function cross-functional pod could have some some real specialists in there and you see some amazing pieces of software or products that exist and you think wow there's a product for that and it does just that like <laughs> you know so yeah. yeah i i honestly believe there's a merit for both and whatever suits you as a designer you can be empowered to go go out there and do that and to, and to craft your career around what suits you for sure. Nice, nice. So is there anything that designers could do, you know, to make your life easier and helping them land that dream role? Yeah, yep. Always like having, being able to articulate, you know, some of those wants and needs in, in that role and things like yeah. that. Um, transparency is, is super helpful uh, and that takes time to get to. So I think for anyone that uh, is wanting to land that role or something like that, have a bit of openness to speak with a recruiter, but you are allowed to be selective about, you know, if you work with a recruiter or which recruiters you work with, because I think ultimately it is definitely a relationship um, that can really build over time as well. And especially for myself now, having done this for, for just over 10 years, I've, I've placed people in multiple roles. You know, I've helped them go up through the levels over the years and they've come back around or, I've helped them get their role as a design leader and six months later, I'm then working with them to build their team. So that is a real relationship. So if you're up for it and you find someone that you really like, be open to building that relationship with them because the benefits certainly go both ways. It definitely helps me tenfold, makes my job um, so much easier, so much more pleasurable and enjoyable. You know, it's really exciting. Um, but they, you know, as, as the designer, they will get the results too. So if you get that opportunity, you know, be open to building that rapport and that relationship. And that's where that trust and transparency will come from. Um, as you build that sort of stuff, one thing I would say in this market right now where that has been really helpful is anyone that's actively looking and they're actively interviewing, they're potentially getting multiple offers from companies. They're going through these stages. 
company A offers this, company B offers that, whatever it might be. For me as a recruiter, I'm, I'm probably, I've maybe got them one offer out of the five that they have, for example. So mm-hmm. I'm sort of saying, well, what, what do you want to do? Which do you want to take? Um, and what is most uh, aligning for yourself? And if it is the one that we're working on together, well, now I need that to be the best competitive package for you too. Um, you know, there's lots of things to it. So the more transparency that they can give me, the more I can go out and help them get what it is that they want. And ultimately, if they were to turn around and say to me, look, the role that you have just doesn't compete with what I want and it's over here. It's like, okay, then I want you to go and get the best thing for you. You know, so yeah, as you, as you build that, that, tra- that trust with the recruiter, you can be transparent with them because where I've seen it come off is, you know, having multiple offers telling me these are, the, these are the other offers that I have, but I really want the job that we're working on together. I like it the most. We just need the numbers to line up. I'm like, okay, leave that to me. I go to that company. I'm transparent with them. I've built trust with the company. And I say, look, you really like this designer, but they have these other opportunities on the table and they come in at these numbers. What can we do? Well, okay, let's match that number and let's be the most competitive because we want to hire them. Okay. And then for the designer, they're like, great, no brainer. I've, I've got a great number for a job that I really want then I'm going to go take that. And that just comes through that transparency and trust and, and wanting that result. Where it breaks down is if things are maybe held too close, communication isn't there, I don't, I don't have numbers to work with, I don't have information to try to help get the right package for them and I'm just sort of guessing and then it sort of comes apart and you just think, well, no one shared real, <laughs> we didn't communicate. What chance did we have? So, yeah. Yeah. There is a power in that, I think, in, in this market in particular right now. Uh, fantastic. Transparency and openness. Love that. Um, and are there any things that designers that you're working with do in the interview applying process that just drives you absolutely crazy? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, for the, for the most part, I think we're so fortunate in the design community that there are so many great people. Um, I think with, within design, I, I was thinking about this this morning and you know, a big part of being a designer is being empathetic and, and understanding your user and tapping into these things. And when that is part of your job, you, I think that generally as, as, as uh, people, designers have those abilities and they bring that into that kind of interview process too. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that can, can be frustrating probably comes back to that last point of like, if the designer has maybe told me certain information about, oh, I'm kind of aiming for these numbers, um, you know, I live in this city, but I'm totally open to relocating, you know, anywhere, you know, whatever. They've given me information. I share that with the company. And then they go into interview and then they change what they've told me and say, oh, I'm absolutely not relocating. I want $100,000 more than what I told. Like, <laughs> then yeah. it's like, okay, I don't know what we're going to be able to, to do here. That, would, that drives me crazy. <laughs> I'll get triggered <laughs> I, from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that would... Uh... That would kind of throw you off. And yeah. on, the flip, on the flip side of that, um, you had mentioned about companies. Is there anything that companies do during this process that kind of you know, oh. kills the deal? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they can. It's, it's always a learning curve. I always kind of come back to the whole thing around like we create this hiring process and we try to create a standardized process to ultimately hire individuals who have individual yeah. needs. And so it's like, by definition, it's never going to truly 
work all the time. So look, I think there's a lot of companies out there learning at the moment. And, and I guess that's a two-way street on like that information, like, you know, negotiating too early on or design tasks in particular, you could do a whole, you could do a whole series, podcast series on those, I think. Um, I will, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> good, good. Um, <laughs> please count me in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think all companies are kind of learning some of that stuff. But again, just, just humanize the process, I think, is the biggest thing there. If, if everyone does that on both sides, especially companies, treating, treating designers like, like people, like humans, it's not just trying to get employee number 274 on the books. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. So any opportunity to humanize the process, that's what I want companies to, to always just think back and lean on. That's how you okay. get the results. Yeah, no, that I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> um, so, any advice for somebody out there, you know, considering a switch from another career to UX design? Um, anything yeah. in particular that would get them kind of set up for success and landing that first role? Yeah, that's a, it's that's a real challenging um, one for sure. I think, um, but so many have done it. So there's tons mm-hmm. of use cases out there, and it's so doable many times over. So I think. My pieces of advice, Sarah, like always lean on um, the previous experience that you've had. You know, you, you're switching careers from something else and then you want to get into UX design. Well, you have, you have some sort of knowledge or, or skills or something that are going to be applicable to, to design in some way. Um, and, and it may not be, you know, oh, I used to do marketing, now I do design. It's, you know, they can kind of sit parallel sometimes, but it may be, you know, that you have subject matter expertise in an area and now you're getting into design well is there a company out there that plays in that subject matter area that happens to need a designer in which case you could be a top pick because you know so much about that industry or that field whatever it might be so i think for for that career shift yeah lean lean into um the previous career as well find the parallels find ways to talk about these things you've learned and use that as an advantage because most of those career-changing designers, um, their entrance is usually through like a boot camp or something mm-hmm. like that. They're going in and doing a course and you've got to think, you're probably graduating with a, a cohort of maybe 30 other uh, graduate designers as well. Mm-hmm. Of those, some could be career changers. Some could be very early into any kind of career and, and don't have other work experience elsewhere. So within that, you've got to sort of look across the cohort and think, what might what might be my advantage over some of these other designers because which, you know, if all 30 of us apply to like a particular job, which one of us is going to get it? So there are certain things that you'll have advantages that you have. How do you lean into those and how do you then use that to then reverse engineer that and look at the companies that are going to find your experience more applicable than maybe some others in your, in your cohort that don't have some of that previous career experience. So definitely look at that. The other challenge I will um, say is really around the dollars. Um, I think, you know, you, you've, you're coming from a successful career in, in X area, making a, a salary that a person with 10 years experience in that role has got. And now you want to shift into another career um, where you are essentially entry level and you're maybe expecting the same kind of sideways move. That can be really hard to do. So... Have a think about that. What does that mean to you? Do, do you take a step down to then create a far higher ceiling than what you previously had? And it's just going to take you a little bit longer. You know, it's just going to take you a minute to catch back up or, 
yeah, because it can be it can be challenging or off-putting if the entry level, you know, designer kind of rate is here, you know, at, at you know whatever numbers it might be, and you're you're expected to come in fifty, sixty, seventy, hundred thousand dollars above that. So it makes it hard. <laughs> it makes yeah. it hard to for that company to kind of see that value just yet. So have a think about those things and what that might mean to you as a, as a okay. person. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, great advice. And so you had mentioned boot camps. What's your mm-hmm. opinion on boot camps for somebody? Um, you know, for companies looking at new designers coming in, and for designers considering, you know, a switch to UX design. Do are boot yeah. camps worth it? Are they kind of making the grade, getting people, you know, the right skills to get placed? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many out there now too, right? Like it's hard to uh, right, right. keep out, you know, yeah. uh, to, to break them all down and say this one's better than that one. That's kind of challenging. Um, mm. I do think they're a really great entry point uh, for a lot of things. You could learn, you know, at the very least a lot of terminology, you know. Um, yeah. UX is probably the biggest boot camp kind of area um, that I tend to see a lot of UX terminology, a lot of foundational skills. I think mm. they're good at setting things like that up. Um, but it still really comes down to your own self-directed work as well. You've got to personally, as, as the individual, as the aspiring designer, put in the time and energy and the effort to apply some of the stuff that you're learning and go out there and maybe try to do more work, try to try to get a freelance client on or something to apply these things that you're learning and mm-hmm. build up some of that knowledge and build up the practical side. And that obviously can then be put on, on a portfolio, hopefully. And showing some of that. Um, I think typically, in my experience, I haven't seen really any companies um, specifically say, okay, we're hiring a, uh, you know, a graduate designer and we want them to come from this specific boot camp. I've not really ever seen that. I don't, I don't know if they're weighted in that way. So it really yeah. still comes down to you as the aspiring designer to put in that effort to, to elevate yourself, take what you've learned, take those skills, those terminology, the process, the thinking, take that and sort of push yourself to get out there and get that practical experience in because that's what companies are really sort of looking for. So, yeah, I think that's my advice to them. I know, I know some people say that, oh, they're a waste of time. Just self-teach yourself. If you think you can, go for yeah. it. You know, why, why not? Um, if you think that uh, a boot camp is going to help accelerate some of that and just get you heading down the right track, then go for that too. Um, I think it comes down to your learning style and your ability to kind of self-motivate, self-direct mm-hmm. and, you know, go out and push yourself to kind of get it. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's great, great advice. And I think, you know, choosing a boot camp, whether or not you're self-directed, you can choose one that's fully online or if you need a little bit more of that face-to-face, you can choose one with a mentor or, you know, an in-person kind of thing. So yeah, great advice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, any thoughts, you know, since you kind of have your finger on the pulse of a lot of these organizations that are out there hiring right now, um, any thoughts on the future of design, you know, remote versus online? You think we're, uh, mm. I mean, remote versus in person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, look, the, the design market is busier than it's ever been, and I don't think it's slowing down anytime mm. soon. Uh, from what I'm seeing, some of the little little um, telltale signs with some of that that's really exciting is, um, you know, previously you would you would see these classic ratios of uh, 15 engineers, 30 engineers to one designer or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, and that and and that's typically saying again depends on the company, but you know, it's saying that 
engineering comes first and we'll, we'll work on that first and then we just kind of slap some design on, on, mm-hmm. on top or, or something like that. I think that has really shifted. You've seen a massive shift in that ratio split and, and it's more like, you know, it could be four, four engineers for every one designer um, or something like that or even less. So we're seeing companies want to change that ratio and hire more designers. We're definitely seeing a lot of startups that are hiring designers earlier on. It's a much earlier hire. So they obviously already know, um, look, we, we need design. We know the power of design. And that's a big thing that I've been saying that that founding designer role exists. It's a tough one, um, but there's a lot of companies that, that need it. And in the past, it was like, oh, I don't want to do that because I have to go and teach that company what UX even means. Then I get to do the work. It's like, they already know. They already know how great design is and they know the power of it. Now they just need you to come and do it. So we're seeing so many more companies harnessing design, design at like the highest leadership levels. All of that has happened. So tons of hiring there. I don't think that's slowing down anytime soon. Um, I'm loving more of the remote first approach. I'm seeing more companies do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm, see, I'm seeing more of the startups um, probably adapt to it a little more. Um, and I think that a lot of those startups that are doing that are going to use that as their competitive advantage in the future. Um, mm-hmm. They will be more remote first, more remote friendly. They will be able to hire nationally, globally, maybe even. Um, hopefully, that one's a tougher mm-hmm. one. But um, they are not restricted so much on geography. So they're looking at far bigger talent pools um, and creating these great diverse teams of people and not just purely having to be in a specific location. So I'm seeing them have an advantage with that. Um, the other thing that comes with some of that remote side of things is the pay localization. We're obviously mm-hmm. seeing a lot of companies push, um, especially the bigger ones, are pushing this pay localization as well, um, which yeah. is a whole interesting topic on itself. Where some of the startups, I think, are being a little bit competitive is not having as much disparity in that localization. Some of them seem to be doing elements of localization, but I'm working with some other companies that, you know, we've talked about. We just said, why, why localize? Like yeah. a, a great designer is a great designer. We're a relatively small scaling company. I don't, I think just because this person is, you know, is living in this particular Midwest region versus New York or San Francisco, then, you know, you're going to pay them much less than if they happen to live. I don't know if it needs to be a thing. And Ultimately, it's how they've, again, a competitive advantage and they've secured some incredible talent versus the other competing company that told that designer, oh, you have to move to San Francisco. I don't want to move. So I'm seeing lots of these little competitive things come out. Uh, It raises new questions. I personally hope that things stay more remote first. Um, I think on the hiring side, it gives me so much more bandwidth to look for people. It just removes this whole thing out of the out of the conversation um, around this location side of things, and I think within that there are many, many, many uh, designers in particular that uh, like remote first and are, and are open to that. But they're also open to a, a real level of travel around. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's get together and collaborate. Uh, do a workshop once a month. I'll fly in to to whichever location or something like that. So. With some of that in mind, it's like, can you still be a really effective company? Can you build a great product and build a great culture? 
by um, being remote first and in turn, allow yourself to scale competitively. So those, those are my kind of questions back to companies. So I do hope that they, they stay on that path. <laughs> I don't know. What, yeah. are your thought, what are your thoughts on that as the designer? <clears throat> what do, you, do you have a personal opinion on remote first? Or well, personally, like? yes, I have a very personal opinion about this one. I just yeah. relocated my family down to Savannah, Georgia from the New York City area. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, you know, everything with my company has stayed the same. They're super cool about it. Um, they do have office spaces in New York and Raleigh. I uh, will be traveling mm-hmm. occasionally. And I think for me, that's kind of the perfect setup. You know, working yeah. from home, because I do have two young kids. So getting to be with them, get them to school and those things. But then, you know, maybe once a quarter, twice a quarter, travel to the office and do something important, like a workshop. Yep. So you're not just there to be there. Yeah. Yeah. But you get everybody in a room, you figure out something big, you do a design sprint or something like that. That's the perfect opportunity for me. I can remember yeah. Yeah, so many, a uh, couple of different companies I worked for, you know, spending mm-hmm. hours getting into New York, like, you know, a train broke down or something terrible. Oh, and man. you finally get to your desk and then you're on the phone with somebody in another country, like all day. Like, <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why did I have to come here and do that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was the point of that? But, um, yeah. No, that's super cool. And it'll be the salary thing will be really interesting to see how that plays out. But if you're a startup, and you're not spending that money on a huge office space in a big downtown that does kind of give you that competitive advantage where you can put some of that money that you would have spent for, you know, hiring better talent. Yeah. Yeah. Look, this, I, I, I see the localization. I see some things behind that. But when, yeah. when I look at the disparity of market ranges across, the, you know, San Francisco in particular is such a bubble in terms of how people are paid there. It's insane. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not always about like, oh, we have to be full equal, um, a la like uh, gravity payments or, you know, or, or where we have to be equal across the entire company. It, it, it could just be just, just getting closer to the middle. Just get closer to the middle. We've got an ability to do some of that um, yeah. and it could give you a real competitive advantage. Um, yeah, I hope so. I think it's worth yeah. it. I think there's some incredible people out there that you can really harness these, these great designers. Yeah. Just by opening up some of that restrictiveness, you know, that to, to allow you to really scale. Yeah, right on. Do you see any designers kind of making the sacrifice saying, you're like, I'm willing to take like a 20% pay cut in order to live where I want? Does that happen nowadays? Or are they? Yeah. 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 I think so. For sure. For sure. There's, uh, and, and look, it, it's, it can be so individual. It depends where, where they're coming from, where they live. It could be a totally different story if, if yeah, they're, they're in San Francisco on a top tier salary and then they want to move out um, mm-hmm. take take you know maybe take a little bit of a cut but even that little bit of a cut doesn't necessarily equate to you know their local the local place that they're moving to minneapolis or something like that it could be a totally yeah. smaller design market in particular but yeah i do think that a lot of people are really valuing this freedom and flexibility that they have around the work uh, finding a workplace that is full of trust uh, finding a team that, that they can trust and collaborate with and that is worth something um, aside from just pure dollars. Um, yeah. You know, and maybe you've experienced this in your career as well, um, going through the years that it's not always about the paycheck at a certain point. I think for mm-hmm. parts of your career that, that really drives some of it. And there's always there's these kind of pretty fair market ranges that exist. And I think as long as you're within the range and you're necessarily being underpaid for the market, if you can get in the range but 
Other things suit like remote flexibility. You love the culture. Um, you know, they really care about it. Like those things have yeah. so much weight and importance, I think, at a certain point in your career. And I love to, I love to meet designers that um, can, uh, at that point as well and know what's important mm-hmm. to them and know what they really value. And it's not just purely salary driven. Um, I think that's a really great place to get to um, personally, professionally. Uh, I think it's hard. It's not, it's not no. for everyone, um, you know, but it's, it, it does exist and it can, it can allow you, again, the same as what we're saying about companies having this openness to, to how they scale and, and hire people. As an individual, having an openness to what could be a great package for you. It's not just about yeah. base salary sometimes. A package exists and it's made up of so many things and many of those things can be very individual um, to each person. So, yeah, yeah, that's always a fun a fun thing to work on as well. I love, I love to see people just find roles that they're so happy with and ultimately just paid accordingly and it doesn't have to be the highest dollar in the world. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, love that. Love that. Um, this is all great advice. I really appreciate you sharing all this. Um, what's next on the horizon for you and uh, Bamboo Crowd? We, uh, we've been having our biggest year ever. Um, I, I personally have had the biggest uh, quarter I've ever had in particular. We, we tend to kind of quantify things in quarters. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is the largest ever. So we, we are so busy with, with work. Um, we need to scale. We definitely need to hire. So it's always funny when a recruiter has to hire another recruiter it's like i spend all day building other teams when it comes to building my own team i I struggle um (laughs) so yeah we we have so much room for growth and so much capacity to take people on to for us to grow as a as a team um but for us as well it's really important to find the right people to do that with as well um and we're we're all really passionate about what we do we we love this we have a great tight-knit team um we are remote first as well which uh which i love um so yeah, we we have capacity to scale. That's going to be mm-hmm. a really big focus for us. Um, but just not doing it at the cost of of the wrong people as well. You know, it's important to us to find to find the right people too, um, where where yeah. uh, culture and values align. Um, we did just hire a a content full time content producer, which is really nice. exciting. Michelle's in, Michelle's in our team now as well. So that's great because um, obviously I love content. Um, and I'm always going to do it for myself, but I want to do more for Bamboo um, and want to push the quality of things and, and um, give, give back to our communities, whether it's design or innovation or strategy, these areas that Bamboo Crowd works in. Um, yeah. There is a huge, huge push for us to really give back to our communities through advice, everything like that. Um, and I think that will be a big part on the horizon too is storytelling for the companies that we work with. Um, because yeah. talent attraction is hard. It's a, it's you know we know Absolutely. we know how hard it is out there to uh, how much demand there is and, and how little supply there can be as well. And I think the biggest difference is storytelling around that. So for for us at Bamboo Crowd, like that is super important to us to the point where we've invested in this person. We're investing in in setting up that function and creating that that you know ability within our our brand to tell the stories of the companies that we work with. Because that's how we're going to help them scale as well. Um, yeah. More people that uh, understand what they do and why they might want to work there, it, it just changes the game. Because um, most of the time, you've probably seen it too. You know, these companies can be a black box from the outside. You don't know. You know, you speak to someone there, they go, "Oh, this place is awesome." You're like, yeah. But why? <laughs> why would it? <laughs> how does anyone else know? 
So, yeah, big things on the horizon around that. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to maybe, you know, work with Bamboo Crowd or to land a design role, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, email is always good. Jared at bamboocrowd.com. LinkedIn. I live on there <laughs> as well. I'm on it all the time. You can always ping me a message on LinkedIn. I, I treat those messages the same as same as an inbox as well. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the easiest way. Get in touch. Tell me a bit about yourself. Anything, you know, I'm always up for a yeah. chat. Love it. <laughs> fantastic. No, and for those listening, um, definitely check out Jared on LinkedIn because his content is fantastic. Lots thank of good you, information uh, yeah, for those in the recruitment stage. So love it. Uh, Jared, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Uh, really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. I love this. I love this yeah. stuff. <laughs> My pleasure. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I will be releasing a show about every other week or so. If you'd like to be a friend to the show, leaving a review or a comment on Apple would be uh, very much appreciated. Share a link to the show with your friends or anyone else you might know who is interested in UX design. Uh, feel free to recommend topics uh, you'd like to hear discussed. And if you have any questions about design, uh, design careers, or anything else for that matter, you can DM me on my Instagram at userflowspod. If you'd really like to help me out, you can visit thomasmorell.com slash survey to let me know what you'd like to learn on this show or hear more or less of. So thank you. I appreciate you listening and uh, let's go create something. <laughs>